Tara here, and today we have two guests, two marketing guys. What? Yes, guys. Oh. Yeah, they're bringing their years of marketing and branding experience for their credit unions. They're telling us about how they do things like tackle tough stuff, like measuring results. (gasps) What if the results aren't very good? Sharing results, even if they're not good. And also just getting better at collaborating with other people in their departments of their credit union, communicating about what's working and what's not, and even making friends maybe with people in finance. Dun, dun, dun. We love hearing what they've seen change over the years, what they've seen stay the same. And maybe some advice they would have for credit union marketers just getting started. Hey, this is Holly. And this is Tara. And we're Braid Creative. This podcast is to help credit union marketers like you remember how creative you are, how much you love your job and your credit union, and maybe get some new creative ideas to try out along the way. Uh, So welcome back. We are kind of excited about this episode of our podcast because we actually have a couple of guests. We have a, a few he's in the studio today. What? Yeah, we do. We have some guys in we here. We do. We do have some guys in here. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> um, our first guest, his name is Matt Stratton. He is the Senior VP of Marketing at Tinker Federal Credit Union. And Matt, how long have you been at Tinker? I've been at Tinker. It'll be 30 years this coming Friday. Oh, wow. Been a while. So we timed this well. You did. <laughs> And our second guest in the studio is Chris Weigel. Chris is the Marketing Project Manager at Communications Federal Credit Union. And Chris, how long have you been there? Yes, thank you for having me. Um, I have been with Communication for almost a full year now. Right, but how many years have you been in credit union marketing in general, would you say? I think it's been credit union marketing six years. Okay. Okay. So a lot of experience, but just in a new position, new credit union. Exactly. (laughs) So we thought it would be fun to have a couple of guests in the studio today with us as we banter around a few questions. We like also Matt's credit union is a very large credit union. Matt is tinker around $5 billion. That's right. $5 billion. $5 billion. And Chris, what's the asset size of communication? Just over a billion, I believe. Just over a billion. So we thought it would be kind of interesting interesting to have two different perspectives on some of our credit union marketing questions um, from a big credit union and to a credit union on the rise. On the rise. On the rise. um, Just to kind of see where it goes. So Matt, we're going to start with you. All right. Um, uh, I know that you've been at Tinker for a while and kind of through your journey at Tinker Federal Credit Union, you've been a marketer, but then you've also had to transition to be more of an executive. Um, talk about sometimes how it's hard that you have to wear both of those hats. Okay. Um, actually, the last several years, I would say that um, I'm wearing a single hat in a way. I think of myself as um, kind of an ambassador Okay. Um, I, I try to help two different worlds understand each other, mm-hmm. uh, the business side and the, and the, and the marketing side. Okay. Uh, so I spend a lot of time explaining back and forth you okay. know, what we need to do. I have to have an understanding of, of all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I think of myself. There was a long time where I was doing more of the hands-on marketing as well as sitting at the, uh, the management table. 
Right. But we've got a great staff, and they're so much better than I am at so many things. <laughs> that do you, uh, do you miss the marketing side a little bit? You know, I do. I miss a little bit because I came up as a writer and a photographer. Okay. And um, you may have this as one of the questions later. If I'm jumping ahead, I apologize. You're but good. that's one thing you, you kind of have to keep in mind as you move up is most of us came into marketing. When I think when in marketing, I realize that's a whole lot of business side as well, but a lot of us are creatives. And if you kind of have your mind on uh, your eye on climbing the ladder and moving up, there's always a trade-off. Yeah, there because is. Because the thing that got you there mm-hmm. may not be the thing that gets you to the next ladder, ladder and the next step and the next step. And so you find yourself someday, one day realizing, I'm not doing any of the things that I started out being. Right. But you get to um, sometimes... Uh, lead people who are doing great work on the same kinds of things you used to do. And then yeah. for myself, I do all of that at home on my own time <laughs> to try to keep myself from going crazy. That's right. That's so, right. On your own time, you get a little bit more creative still a writer, side. I'm still a writer and a photographer on my own time. Right. And, and you're a songwriter too, right? That's right. Yeah. I found out early that, that a song is a, about a page long and a novel's about, you know, 300 pages long. So uh, I went with the song. <laughs> tell a story in a lot quicker time. Well, because you have such appreciation for storytelling, do you feel like that that helps you talk about creative things to, I hate labeling people creative and not creative, right. but do you, how does that still help you having an appreciation for the creative side when you're talking to the business side? Well, I mean. To the suits, we'll yeah, call them. Yeah, because there's, there's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's two kinds of creativity. I think the world often confused, when they say creativity, they immediately think of artistic creativity. Mm-hmm. To me, creativity is using anything in a new way. I mean, we're creative every day. We figure out, oh, we don't have the right tool for that, uh, but I can do something else. I mean, I'll give right? you a great example. Of, we were trying to fix, we were talking earlier about the tractor, trying to fix the tractor, and I did not have... Uh, the seven-eighth inch wrench I needed. I had a one-inch, and I couldn't find the seventh-eighths. But the tractor key happens to be just about the right width, and so if you slide <laughs> that into space, you can you can use the one-inch wrench. Make you it know, work. So that's that to me is creativity, even though it's not artistic creativity. Yeah. So whenever you're talking to to a creative team or to the mm-hmm. to the executive team, you're using some kind of creativity, and telling a story is always helpful. Matt, you could correct me. I have not gotten to that senior level yet, but <laughs> I feel like you are still making the final decision where you still need that creative background to understand what's going to work or what's looking good. Yeah, to some extent. I, I mean, I still have to have kind of an understanding of, um, um, you know, is, a, is, a, is that look going to fit into our brand? Mm-hmm. Is that sound going to fit into our brand? Um, I, I'm completely lost on the actual production, for example. Print production <laughs> has changed so dramatically. But you still can look at something and, and decide, is that going to be the right style for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and is that going to fit or not? Chris, what about you? When you think about, okay, I'm going to take a marketing idea and I'm going to relate that to the executive team or I want to bring a new promotion in front of some people to get approved or to talk about where we could move that promotion next year. Um, what are some things that help you in that conversation? Well, just getting our entire our entire team involved, um, like Matt's team, he's got he's got a lot of people that he relies on. Um, we do too, and so what we do is just we all get into a room and we brainstorm different ideas, and they may be crazy ideas that <laughs> won't work, but you still have to kind of get them out. So we just flesh out those ideas, and once we have something that we actually think will work, then we do start putting it on paper and 
really getting the details out. Right. And getting it in front of people. Right. Do you have like a set um, way that you present that information to the executive team? Or do you kind of change it up based on whatever the promotion is? Yeah, it kind of depends on what the promotion is. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything needs a full um, PowerPoint uh, or anything like that. And so we actually at Communication have a lot of freedom to kind of run oh, with some okay. some ideas. And um, we we do small pilot stuff for new uh-huh. new stuff and um and so we're able to see if it works in a small group and if it does then we can start expanding it uh but that's that's usually how we work okay. that's a cool approach right to instead of having it all figured out in a big presentation we talk about this a lot sometimes just presenting your ideas in a certain way being able to share that story pre- share that idea mm-hmm. in a really visual way helps people have buy-in and mm-hmm. have trust in you that you're going to take this and run with it but doing this, having this culture of trying out little pilot promotions to kind of gain that trust, that's sort of an interesting way to do it, too. Yeah, one of the, one of the guys on our marketing team, Laszlo, he, he always says, fail fast and fail cheap. Um, oh, where right. we, yeah, you know, like we can do these small things, and if it doesn't work, then it, it's not a huge deal. It wasn't a huge deal. If it does, we can put more money into it and yeah. expand it, anything like that. And then once you do start building up that reputation, um, then you you get more confidence from the executive team to be like, you know, I'm not even going to step in. They just do their thing and, right. uh, and go with it. How do you share along the way? Like, how do you share? Do you make an effort to share how that what experiment went? Look yeah. like or yeah? So we can pretty much pull data like live as it's happening, um, especially with all the new data technology coming out. Um, it's pretty easy to show where a campaign is trending or if it's going to be successful or not. And we can present that data. Um, I believe we do it daily, if not weekly, uh, to where we can see if, if something's working or not. Are you usually doing them digitally? Like, are these usually like online campaign? Are they mostly living online? How yeah. are you? Yeah, yeah, a lot of the stuff that we can actually report live data on, mm-hmm. it's, it's mainly digital stuff. So. So I'm going to put this question out to both of you and you can kind of think about it. You know, a lot of times when we're talking about a specific promotion, like whether it's like auto loans or whether it's a home equity loan campaign, you know, those kind of results are easy for us to track because we can tell, okay, so this is how much we did in loans. And for sure, we know that that those dollars are attributed to that campaign. But what about when you're looking at sometimes softer like goals, like for example, branding, you know, how are you guys looking at branding in your credit unions and whether it's successful and you're moving the needle in that right direction or whether you feel like you're losing a little bit of ground? Um, a variety of things we'll, we'll look at to see how we're doing in terms of branding itself. Uh, so from the, uh, from the marketer hat, uh, you know, we we do a uh, we participate with the Radden Financial Group. They do a brand study every year, and they look at how strong is our brand in the marketplace. So that includes members and non-members. It's okay. just what does the marketplace know about our brand mm-hmm. and who we are, and what do they think about us? Okay. So that gives us a, a kind of a a good baseline a good base, too, and then it'll compare us to other credit unions, other financial institutions in our marketplace, and then other places. Okay. So it might tell us here's how strong you are in your marketplace. And here's how strong most credit unions your size are in similar markets, and how do you compare to them? So that's kind of a good baseline to tell you how strong is the brand. Uh, we do, you know, member surveys every couple of years, so we find out what our members think of us. So okay. 
from the marketing side, that's that's the kinds of things you can do, or you can get, you know, Scarborough data and that kind of thing. Now, from the pointy-headed boss executive side, <laughs> yeah, you know the uh, the so fact let's talk is internally. <laughs> yeah, the bottom line, you know, we're we're not for profit, so we're not trying to make profits, but we do have to measure those main things. If shares are growing, if loans are growing, if net income is giving us a a, a solid uh, uh, net worth ratio, we're we're financially sound, and the members are obviously using us, then that's good. Uh, it's amazing how how great all your work looks when all of those numbers look good. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, it doesn't matter how many uh, awards uh, uh, Coors wins. If they're not selling more beer, right, they're going right. to make a change, right. you know. <laughs> so um, so from the from the executive side, that's, you look at how's the performance of the organization, but you also can then, then if it's performing great, you can look at branding and see if it matches. If it's not, you might look and say, well, here's a weakness. Right, right. Um, or you can identify can someplace. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, we got two things we're trying to do. Um, we're trying to get people to like us. Then we're actually three things. We're trying to get people to like us, trying to get people to join and get that first product, and then trying to get people to get more products. Right. So that's what we do. And, and I'm sorry, Chris, I'm dominating the No, that, I mean, you said everything correctly, and especially on the executive side, where when you are getting those conversions or new new members coming in, that visually shows by the numbers that, that your branding is working. Um on the marketing side, it, it can be difficult to measure, um, but one of the few things that we'll look, we'll look at is just some organic search traffic. Oh, like okay, like yeah. if we're getting numbers showing that people, when they are looking for a car loan, they are searching your, your brand. I mean, that feels really good for us. Uh, but then there's like these three things that I can think of is interaction, engagement, and participation. So interaction is just the potential member kind of flirting with you, like seeing what oh, you have, nice. um, you know, like checking you out. And then you can have engagement and that can kind of be measured on if you are asking for their email, they're, they're willing to give it to you. Right. You know, so like, they're, they're, mm, they're, am yeah. I going to give him my phone number? I'm yeah, thinking they, about they it. They kind of trust you <laughs> a little more. And then just with participation, once you do have them in, um, they're showing up and they're actually participating in some of the things that you're doing, whether it's community events, um, social media things, um, any kind of virtual meeting now, right. like workshops uh, right. that are going on. Uh, when, when you start seeing those numbers increase, then you kind of know that your brand is out there and people trust it and they, they're at least aware of it. And they're feeling good about it. Yeah. Let me ask you guys, what are some results that can be hard to share? So what, you know, with that idea of you've got your internal team, we've got that executive team, maybe there's some suits on that team. When can it be hard to share some results? It's got to always be bad results. No I one know. likes sharing bad <laughs> results. That wasn't what we thought was going to happen. Yeah. Um, bad results are going to happen or unexpected results. Maybe maybe that is, is the better Especially, I can say, because let's acknowledge we're in an industry where there's a lot of factors out there and a right. lot of factors out there that are out of our control. There are rates that are fluctuating up and down. There are economic conditions that are happening all around us. So we can't control all that. See, you're bringing up a good point. A good marketer knows how to spin That's right, bad we do. results. There's <laughs> something that's causing that's it. That's right, we do. But it is true. There's so many factors that you can't change or, or can't affect that sometimes a, a campaign just doesn't work. Um, for us, what is the most frustrating is if it worked in 
a past year or a past campaign, and you, so you're expecting it to work the next year, and then it doesn't. It falls flat. Right. That, that kind of that's never disappointing. Great. Yeah. Right. Um, I think the key is honesty. You know, as soon as you start trying to hide something, that that ruins today, but it also ruins tomorrow, which is worse. So, honesty, um, uh, an honest look at here's what what happened. Here's what we think may have caused it. Here are the things that we think we need to do moving forward, and we'll keep tracking it from there. If you just come in and say, this was a, a mess, and I have no idea why, then that's not going to go over well. Or if you try to <laughs> to gloss over it and hide it, that's right. not going to go over well. So um, I think Chris and I are both are lucky, and we work in organizations that realize that. And, um, and uh, you know, like I said, you don't want to tell anybody about something that failed. I, I like the um, fail fast and fail cheap. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a great thing. Right. I, I, th- I think we're both lucky that our organizations understand that um, perfection is not your goal. Uh, it'll freeze you up if you if you feel like you have to be perfect. It'll it'll freeze people up so bad. It's progress. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking the same yeah. thing when you were describing your scenarios. You both are lucky to have credit unions where well, not lucky. You have both helped build those cultures mm-hmm. where there's just sort of a steady progress forward, but everyone's in it together and just yeah. trying to be smart keep moving forward yeah. but not being react like so reactive mm-hmm. that everything feels like it's on fire right and if you do have a bad campaign you just end up learning from it and change it in the future um, nothing's really truly negative in that sense I know we've had a conversation in the past of just in college had a lot of art classes and so I grew up with a lot of critiques and you would right. hang your, your art up on the wall and they would just take a red Sharpie and start marking it up and just tear it up. And it wasn't bad, but it, it, it helps you grow and, and make better decisions in the future or just make better products, better campaigns. Um, so anytime yeah. you get bad results, just learn from it and, and kind of move on, make that adjustment. Nothing teaches you to take a critique like art school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe being on a reality show. Or, or Matt with his music career. Yeah, the, the, there's lately, of course, with COVID, we've done nothing. Most of what I do is just small open mic night. So you know, let's not let's not talk about it being something big. But but there is there is a uh, a nice um, part about playing in front of a crowd because you immediately know yeah. if right. this is working or not. You don't wait a week or a month or a quarter and send to them see an email how well did to that see goes. what they thought about you it. You can see immediately if this is going well. But that also means that. You can make a change immediately. You can say, you know what, I'm going to do another one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a, I used to do a whole lot of political satire songs. <laughs> it was a lot of fun at one time. How, how well is that now, going right now? I don't try that anymore. When is a new the, album coming out? Yeah, the, uh, the sense of humor has changed dramatically in the last 15, 10 or 15 years, really. Right. So, um, but you can quickly say, okay, that, you're not into that. Let's try something else. Or you can also, I mean, a big thing that every marketer has to come to grips with is, the fact that somebody hates what you did doesn't mean it's not good, and it might oh, be right. great. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know, you know, Oscar-winning movies that somebody hated. You know, it's we true. know wonderful pieces of art that we'll look at and say, I don't get that. But it's hanging <laughs> in, you know, the Guggenheim or somewhere. Right, so, right. So you can't make everybody happy. And that's that's kind of what you deal with is, mm-hmm. is it didn't work, but that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that that we didn't learn from it. And right. if you learn from it, it wasn't a total failure. Right. If you do it again, then we need to talk. <laughs> if you do it again. 
I loved what you said earlier, Matt, about, you know, how honesty can help you for today, but also tomorrow. Um, Because I think that's true. I think that, you know, whenever you get results or a campaign didn't perform how you wanted it to, it does everybody a disservice if you don't look at it. And, and just talk around the table mm-hmm. about and hear the different perspectives about, you know, what do you guys think why this didn't work? Um, because sometimes, especially if you are the one that brought it to the table, it's hard for you to see those other perspectives around the table. And it helps you not have to feel so defensive about it. It's not all on you as the marketer who decided to push this forward, you know, especially when you're bringing your team in and when you're looking at data and you don't have to feel quite so armored up about it when you get used to practicing sharing good results and bad, maybe. Right. And it kind of touches on another topic. And then when we're talking about creatives is early in your career, you need to kind of get come to grips with the fact that at work, I'm creating a product for A client. Even if I work for the client, they're my client. And uh, my job is not to, you know, give birth to my art. <laughs> right. It's, it's to give the client what the client needs for this particular thing. And if I want to do something that's really, that I say, show the world what I can do, that's maybe different. Right. Uh, that doesn't, you know, make it better or worse. It's just, it's just what you've got. Who's your audience and, you know, and write or design for your audience. And this may not be challenging results that you that are difficult to present, but kind of along the same lines that Matt was just talking about, that when you do spend so much time on a campaign and it doesn't perform like you wanted it, you personally might feel like a failure, but then you know you have your other team to kind of boost you up or tell you, like, right. well, this is what happened and this is what we can change. But it, it does get tough to admit it to yourself if, if you spend a lot of time on something. And you something. really personally invested yourself in whatever the promotion or the creative right. was, um, you know, really driving it. That can make you feel personally like, oh, that was not great. Mm-hmm. How do you guys decide when it's time to, okay, we need to update, we need to refresh, or we need to stay the course, and we need to kind of keep going with this creative. How do you guys decide when that time is right? You know, that's almost that's almost um, where you start relying a little bit on your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you you rely on, I mean, but but your gut um, is informed by all kinds of things you've shoved in your head over the years. That's talking <laughs> <Right>. to it <laughs> that you may not be aware. It's talking, you know. Right. Or maybe I'm just crazy, but my head talks to me all the time that I may not know. It's, it's, You're like, I may not always answer, but my head is always yeah, it's talking to me. sorting through all kinds of things, all kinds of data you've collected over the years mm-hmm. and letting you know, you know, has the wind changed? Uh, has there something changed? I mean, let's face it, COVID changed everything for us all, right? right. That's yes. a big thing. But sometimes there's subtle changes. You see a subtle change in, in the political environment. You see a subtle change in... in um, you know, social environment, mm-hmm. is, you know. It, or even and, in technology, yeah, you know, all those te- things. Technology changes. I mean, when I started, there was no such thing as a as a website, much less social media, you know. So, right. You <laughs> much know. less a handheld so, personal computer yeah. that we call a phone. Yeah. There are, uh, <laughs> so there are dramatic changes that obviously everybody notices, but then there's other things. And mm-hmm. uh, But you're right. By the time... Um, your audience notices you, you're sick of your own message. You've got to, right. it took us years to, to get everybody in the organization to understand that, that, and I think they do now. Mm-hmm. But you also occasionally say it's time to freshen it up. But rarely do we make a dramatic change in, in it. We'll, we'll adjust the, um, 
adjust the look a little bit. But we've got a, a brand style guide that's been pretty good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we don't make a dramatic change. It's rare we would do that. Well, and I, I think that just the financial world in general is way different than some of these other industries that can rebrand and refresh a lot more frequently than we can. Um, as a financial institution, you need to be stable and trustworthy and almost stay your course because your members are trusting you with their money. And if you are presenting yourself as someone who's constantly changing and making these decisions that you know your members don't necessarily agree with, are they going to think you're doing the same thing with their money and right. it's not safe with them? So you do kind of have to be stable and yeah, it may get boring, uh, especially because I feel like all financial institutions are all blue. And they're all some shade of blue. <laughs> so you have a very limited... Blue is a very secure color. It is. It is. Um, where I look at it as is that there's a conversation of refreshing versus rebranding. Because mm-hmm. uh, you put so much time into a brand, it is very difficult to just say, all right, we're rebranding, we're throwing out this logo, we're putting in something new, and essentially starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I lean more towards how do you build off that brand? How do we refresh it to um, meet our new strategy, um, meet our new members, be more relevant, things like that? Yeah, I appreciate that. And we hadn't talked about that so much, but it is, because it is a financial industry, I think that it does need a little bit more longevity and a little bit more evergreen in the marketing that we have. Um, Because you're right, these are serious products and services that we are offering our members. Right. And, you know, we talked about how the, you know, the the environment can change and certainly uh, people's money is always a serious issue, right. but if there's trouble in the economy, it becomes even more serious. And so uh, Chris makes a good point. I think we all, you know, everybody, when they pick a career or they find themselves in a career, they're, they're a, tr- a trade-off of some kind. But you know, we don't have the uh, the luxury of saying, you know, selling do- beer and you know, let's come up with a really fun <laughs> new thing. Or uh, you know, or uh, or you know, basketball shoes or something. Right. We have to. We, we have, have to, to sell certificates. Yeah. The consumer. <laughs> the consumer has to understand that, especially you know, especially with their savings. You right. know, is it safe? Um, you know, I, can I trust where it is? And uh, you can try to have a little bit of a little bit of fun with it sometimes, but the the bottom line of the of the brand of what people think of you. Security and safety and trust have to be a part of it as well. It's true. And if you're a, a smaller credit union starting to expand, that's when you can really start thinking about rebranding because if your members or if, if your brand isn't reflecting who your members are at that point, then you should start to think about, okay, we're, we're getting bigger and we're not just serving this one demographic. We need to branch out and make sure people, when they see our name, when they see our brand, they know that they're included in it. Yeah. And that's not your logo, per right. se. I think a lot of people right. think, that's my logo. Yeah. That's scary to change our logo. Or, God, I wish we could change our logo. Right. But that's like <laughs> almost the like the cherry on top. Like, that's the last piece. It's like, what are, what are your messages? Who are you showing? What kind of people are you showing? How are you speaking to them? I think credit unions are great at feeling safe, but not stuffy. It's, right. You know, they can have fun, but it's not flippant. You know, so there's yeah. always sort of a tone you're trying to strike. 
And sometimes you're just like, wait, we've been off for a while. We need to really. <laughs> yeah, and, and credit unions have, have a, a lot of credit unions around the country have faced a big branding challenge over the past, the, well, the whole 30 years I've been in this. And that is the expansion of credit unions. Because back in the day, your brand was, we're the credit union for teachers in Oklahoma City. We know teachers better than anybody else. And we know Oklahoma City teachers better than anybody else. And we're here for you. Drop the mic. That's that is <laughs> that's your what doesn't matter what your logo is, your right. brand is that and we promise you teachers that we'll be there for you. Or maybe firemen and police officers or whatever it might be. And as we've all expanded our fields of membership, we've had a challenge of of not having that um, luxury of, of being known as the one place for you if you fit into that group. Right. And that's what I see a lot of a lot of um, branding challenges are. And we're getting more credit unions now going to community charters or expanding into uh, some other areas. And so that's always going to be a challenge for your, for your branding as uh, who are you? Do you think that's one of your biggest changes you've seen as a credit union marketer over the past 30 years? Is that, do you think the growth and the you, broadening of the membership field is one of the big factors? I think that, that's absolutely the, one of the big factors. From, from the branding side, that is probably the biggest factor mm -hmm. is credit unions have almost all expanded who they serve, and and necessarily so, um, it's very difficult to uh, to have all your eggs in one basket, especially if you're in an industry. You know, let's say you were a, a steelworkers credit union in Pittsburgh, right? Uh, you know, when when some times were tough, and all of your loans were with folks who were, were all losing their job at the same time, or if you were a credit union specifically for a manufacturing plant somewhere back in the mm -hmm. day, you might have had a credit union just for that manufacturing plant. And all your loans were to people working in that plant. And if there was a big change there, that's a challenge. So expanding the membership is a good thing. Um, but that's a big challenge. Now, yeah, it's a, more, it's a challenge for branding. For, for like, branding. Oh, I wish I could brand yeah. just to steel workers yeah. and have yeah. gritty textures you know? and yeah. lunch pails you and know? hard hats. Right. And we and would just so, own it. But Yeah. So that's, you know, that's been a challenge. Now, the biggest change is, of course, I mean, what hasn't changed since I've been around um, – you know, all of all of the technologies that, that govern what we do uh, from the creative side. I mean, we right. were still using, I'm going to sound like really an old man, we were still using, you know, X-Acto knives and wax and, and Amberlith when I first right, started. We right. were just beginning to get into oh, desktop so, okay, publishing. Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast, you may have to Google what those things are. Google those things. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So, uh so, and like I said, you know, there was no such thing as an internet. There was no such thing as social media. So those, all of that has changed. And a lot of it's been evolutionary, but if you've been around, then you, you realize the, mm -hmm. the jumps have been sometimes gradually and sometimes dramatic. Uh, so and that's all changed. And, you're, you're kind of, okay, keep going. Sorry. Well, that just means that, that um, this goes back to if you're trying to climb up the ladder, you know, I, I have to, I've always given up something to somebody else who's better at it than I am. Mm-hmm. And as the organization grows, you get more people who have a little bit more specialization. Right. And as the world changes, you know, you have to decide, am I going to try to still be? And, and it's fantastic if you want to still be the best graphic designer on the planet. I am not discouraging anybody from that. <laughs> and keep up with all of that. Right. Because if you, if you do climb up, you may give up that thing and you may mm -hmm. wish you hadn't. I don't know. But my point is that as things expand, you, you say, okay, somebody else is going to have to be the expert at that and keep track of all of those changes in that area because I can't keep track of all of them. Because you're, you're being an ambassador. You're kind yeah. of explaining yeah. this to two worlds, and yeah. we need that too. Absolutely. I love that. 
So you're talking about a lot of things that have changed. If you were going to think back, Matt, in the past 30 years, what do you think hasn't changed in the credit union marketing industry? Uh, Well, I would say first the credit union world, and that is the absolute core. We're still not-for-profit cooperatives. Okay. We're still owned by our membership. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back now, as I'm approaching, if I'm in my 60s, uh, we're not for profit, which means I have no stock options. <laughs> but uh, we're still that. And I and people ask me, you know, what I've liked best about this. And um, I think it's knowing that every day I've tried to get people to use more of my product. Okay. And knowing that it's a good product, mm-hmm. you know, if you use more of my products, it will be good for you, as opposed to there's nothing wrong with, as I said earlier, we don't get to work for a beer company with great, great advertising. There's we nothing don't get wrong free with beer. That, but it you know what? Happen. If you use too much of some products, it's not good. Right. And I've never had to think, you know, am I trying to get people to use too much of this? Mm-hmm. Or am I trying to get them to, to, to buy $400 tennis shoes when they may or not be able to afford it? Mm-hmm. Or am I telling them, if you use my products, it will be good for you, and I promise you, you'll get a, a great deal on it. Right. Because you'll be better off for yeah, it. Yeah, That's because we're not for-profit cooperatives. Right. Now, that doesn't mean it's free. You know, we're all, we always say not for-profit, um, uh, but for service. Well, we're not for loss either. Right. But but we're there for the membership. And mm-hmm. so that is, has not changed. And then in terms of marketing, you know, branding is still branding. What's your promise to, the, mm-hmm. to, to your marketplace? And are you delivering on that promise? Right. And then the way you tell them that you're going to deliver on it and the way you then deliver on it on the front line, that's changed somewhat. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that any, it's ever changed that I'm going to promise the marketplace I will be this to you and then I'll deliver on that. And, you know, that I'll always be relevant. <laughs> and Chris, what about you? Like as you've gone from working at different credit unions in various roles, what's something that you see as a constant or you see that hasn't changed kind of across that in that credit union marketing world? Like Matt was saying, it's just that that service industry and that credit union credit unions are helping other people. Um, I was new to a credit union when I first started working for them. Um, it was one of those things that I was with a big bank and thought that was the only avenue I could go down until I ended up working um, for a credit union. And I was like, oh, so it is open to everyone. And, <laughs> right. And kind of a, just really, I just opened my eyes, which is crazy because there's a big uh, national campaign for open your eyes to a credit union. And um, I know this is going on things that have changed and not haven't changed, but um, the credit union has always been there. We mm-hmm. just don't necessarily see it until it's that time. Right. And once you do see it, it, it it's kind of like, oh, they're everywhere. And they've <laughs> always been here. They've always been serving people. Um, another thing that that hasn't changed, in in my opinion, is just the friendliness of credit unions and, and how friendly they are with other credit unions. Right. That, yeah, we would like for you to be with with us and, mm-hmm. and use our products, but we also understand if another credit union suits you better. We are not going to... So let me ask you, why do you think credit unions are so cooperative with each other? You know, not just as a cooperative for their members, but why is there so much camaraderie among credit unions? 
Well, at least for, from my experience, um, we're constantly working with other credit unions, whether we are supporting them in a, a time of need that they are not doing well, mm-hmm. um, or if we're just out at a, another convention where we're communicating and discussing things for the future. Uh, but then it's also just we understand that a credit union is more likely going to be looking out for your interest more than a big-time bank, I, right. I guess. Uh, I don't want to badmouth banks, uh, but I, from my experience, credit mm-hmm. unions are more willing to help you in your situation than just trying to get you signed up for some sort of product. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it boils down, I think, to our history, to the fact that for a long time, credit unions really didn't compete head-to-head. They were specialized into specific markets, usually. Right. A specific manufacturer, a specific, uh, like I said, uh, city, industry, that kind of a thing. So you could be in a room together. We used to have a a group called the Oklahoma Credit Union Marketing Association, and you could discuss all your tactics and everything, and you weren't really going after the same people. Right. And so that's the core of why we work so well together. And we've kept that even as we've expanded into each other's marketplace. But... Uh, just from my conversations with credit unions around the country, mm-hmm. uh, we all have decided, you know what, if you're not going to be with me, as long as you're at another credit union, it's okay. Right. Right. Just stay in the credit union world, and we'll be okay. There's, there are more than enough people out there for all of us to grow. There are <laughs> way more non-credit right. union members than there are credit union members. So, um, you know, if, if a There's credit enough union, room at the table a, for yeah, everybody. Yeah. So we need to, credit unions need to all just try to get more people into the credit union world, and there's more than enough to go around. Well, and whatever level you are or level of experience you are as a marketer, really you're all ambassadors for that message to people who don't know yet. Right. Absolutely. And if somebody joins a credit union, then the credit union message has been heard and it's, and it's been successful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what do you see are some challenges that credit union marketing, that industry could be facing today? Uh, well, I think that the main challenge I've faced, not just specifically for today, but it's that the products that I'm trying to sell are products that people use only every few years sometimes. I mean, you, most people get a car loan every two to four years. They get a home loan maybe every seven years. Who knows how long they keep a checking account? So... In a way, I'm a little jealous of, uh, of the, the beer and the Coke and the food, the people who, who have multiple times a day, maybe, to right. say, try my product just this once. Try my soft drink tonight. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I've got tomorrow. Try it today then. Try it. And I even, have to say. I was going to say, tying into Chris's analogy of if you're going to fail, fail fast yeah. and fail cheap. Well, yeah, because guess what? If I, if I get a Coke and yeah. it's not good, that's not a big deal. Switch over. Right. But if I get a home loan with you and it doesn't go well. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but the key, though, is to get them to try it first. So, so in other words, you know, let's face it. There's a lot of guys that are going to have a beer every night. Right. So you got a chance every night to try to get your beer, you know, in front in, of them. in their koozie. Mm-hmm. But they're only going to car loan every two to four years, and you've got to be there with them the minute they decide. And sometimes it's a minute. Mm-hmm. They may not have been looking for a car loan last week, and then this week they are for whatever reason. They crashed the car, the engine blew, whatever it might be. Right. And so if you were talking to them a week ago, and they weren't even thinking car loan, they weren't hearing you. And then they get a car loan. Now you've got a long stretch. Whereas if they didn't hear you say, try my beer tonight, tomorrow they might hear you say, try my beer tonight. <laughs> right. So the challenge is, 
we've got to be on their mind just at the right time. And it's almost like all the time, but mostly at just the right time. <laughs> so that's, that, that's a big challenge. Would that be also your advice to someone starting out in marketing is to kind of think about the timing of that? Well, absolutely. That's good advice. But my biggest advice is not going to surprise <laughs> you. My biggest advice, no matter whether you're, you're completely on the creative side or wherever you are, when you start a credit union or any marketing business, is remember that it is a business. So learn the business side. Now, I hear from a lot of creatives. Well, if I had wanted to learn accounting, I would have studied accounting. I didn't study accounting. But you know what? As I said earlier, you're now, you have a client. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in an agency and you have 100 clients or you're in a, in a company and you have one, you need to know how your client makes money, how it loses money, what it needs to do, how it runs its books. You need to find out. Get a friend in finance mm-hmm. and learn everything you can about the business side. And that's very helpful as you now design for them or whatever you're doing to know that this is why we're doing what we're doing. Right. And it may help a lot, touching back on some earlier things we said, when maybe you, uh, somebody didn't like your creative or they didn't like your idea, <laughs> you'll have a much better idea of why they didn't like that idea because you know what? Right now we're not facing that challenge as a business. Right. We're facing this other challenge. So even if you're going to stay in the, completely on the creative side, you're going to have to learn that you're you're a business person now. I know, Matt, and because you because you dove in and you understand that, I feel like maybe that's what gave you the ability to be that person who goes back and forth between those two worlds, you know, between the suits and the executives and through that creative side, because you took the time to apply yourself and figure that out and not understand just the design, but also understand the numbers that are driving the business. Absolutely. When, when the executives understand that you understand that, the respect goes up a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's and you the can new still... name of this episode. Yeah. Okay. Get a friend in finance. Get a friend in finance. <laughs> Take him and out for a beer. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you don't get to go back to the office or back to the house and be the creative genius that you are. But you need to understand what's driving the business. The business. Well, and then taking that back a level, not to speak for you, Chris, so you can jump in here, but like knowing that you start off as a graphic designer, I also started off as a designer. Like I always say, when people found out I could write copy, I never designed again. It's not necessarily <laughs> like a copywriter is better than a designer. It's right. just that it's a skill set that was really flexible and took me in a different direction. So I wonder like also some of the things that you've done in marketing have kind of taken you from being a designer to actually applying strategy. Yeah, you do end up learning a lot more or, or needing to learn a lot more than just design skills. Um, to be almost the yin to Matt's yang, uh, I was going to say that... You hate the numbers and they're stupid. Well, <laughs> no, no, my data guys would get on me if they heard that. Um, but for me, it's the people. It's It's getting to know as many people as you can in the credit union industry. And, and like my good friend Ben has pointed out, it's, it's getting to know the why of a credit union mm-hmm. and like what they're doing to help their members, what they've done to help their members, how they started. Just learning all of that history really does help solidify you in that, in that role at your credit union. Um, where you do, you you look at members not as customers. Where if you come in as as a, a new hire and you've never worked for a credit union before, you may look at them 
at new members coming in as customers, but really they are members of the credit union and you are there to help them. And so I think just getting as involved as possible with the credit union, with the, the different leagues across, uh, across the country, getting to know the members, I mean, that's where you're really going to learn a lot of stuff. And you're really going to kind of tap into the power, I feel like, that drives a lot of credit union marketers. Right. Um, how you can really help people, like Matt was talking about. Okay, so we always talk about shows in a lot of our episodes. We don't talk as much about tractors and beer, so thank you for bringing <laughs> that element today. Now, I know, Chris, you're kind of a pop culture guy like us. Matt, you're too busy. You're too busy writing songs and talking business. But but Chris, if you had to give Matt advice, if he could watch one show on Netflix tonight, or maybe not Netflix, what would you tell him to go home and binge? I, Knowing Matt, I would get him hooked on The, the Mandalorian. It is a yes. Disney Plus show. It's essentially a spaghetti western mixed with Star Wars. That's what so. I said. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> See, now that's good. That, I, could, I could probably like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did like all the old Clint Eastwood, uh, Sergio Leone stuff. Yeah, it's but, like that now with laser I, blasters. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same laser. music, okay. the dust, the town. <laughs> baby Yoda. Oh, there right? you go. Clint it's got a baby, a baby Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I find, else do you need? <laughs> yeah, I find myself watching anything that David Attenborough does. I find myself oh. watching uh, anything that's underwater or anything that's uh, in a mountain. Uh, and uh, Matt, and, do you uh, have documentaries? Netflix? I do not have Netflix. Okay, so, so you're going to need to get that. some Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't have to be taping this, Randy, yeah. but you need to oh. watch my, my teacher, octopus. the octopus. My octopus my, teacher. You know what? Uh, that has come up uh, a couple of times on my Facebook feed from my scuba diving friends. Yeah. I just haven't seen it yet. Okay, so, so you're going to have to get Netflix to be able to watch yeah. it. But yeah. here's the deal. What else are you going to do in November and December this year? Nothing. You're just going to be sitting at home <laughs> clearing brush. Exactly. Yeah. You, <laughs> we still, no, you have we nothing still else have to do. That is several it. acres of trees sure on the do, ground that we have to take care it's of. It's really fun. You, it's about a documentary filmmaker that got burnt out on making documentaries, and he had a little bit of a midlife crisis. So we went to the African coast where he grew up, and every day he just went out in the ocean and looked for and filmed this octopus. And so for like a year, it's just him and this octopus, and him watching the octopus, and it's fun. I, I that I will that I will look for. Yeah, because they are brilliant creatures. Yeah, they it's do amazing. not get credit for how smart and they are. And he actually developed a relationship. Like the octopus mm. would come to him when mm. he would see him coming down. Oh, yeah. I told Holly I could. I was gonna I was about to start watching it, but even just watching the trailer, like on Netflix, if you leave it resting on a show, on the thumbnail, now it'll just start playing the trailer. Mm. And I start crying. I was like, I don't know if I can watch it. It was, it was amazing. So touching. I can tell you though, like he definitely. I know it's because his documentary filmmaker DNA. Right. Like he was like, so when these other animals were attacking it, I couldn't go over there and defend it because I didn't want to get involved in the environment of the ocean. I was like, bull crap. <laughs> <laughs> the octopus you is your octopus friend. Right you get in there. <laughs> That's the only part I got really mad about. I was like, what? They just tore its arm off. Are you kidding me? You're just filming this? Okay, I'm scared if Matt watches my octopus friend that that'll be it. 
Oh, that TFC will have to say he goodbye. He will have been like no. thirty years. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm, out. I'm out. Tell you what, if I if I could make my living shooting underwater and actually get paid for it, I'd be doing that. I was just showing Chris some of the shark pictures from my last trip. It was incredible. Oh. Uh, tiger shark is just an amazing creature too. So we yeah, had a close up look at some. So yeah, if I could make a living doing that, I'd do it. Matt, I'm very excited for you to get Netflix, and then I'm going to give you a list of shows. <laughs> so it's only on Netflix. It's only on Netflix. Yeah. And so, but there's The Crown just came out with some new episodes, which you would love. Well, and what was uh, Cobra Kai? Oh my gosh, Cobra Kai. I didn't, I couldn't really do oh, it. Oh, is that the, is that the, uh, it was like the, the karate kid. The karate kid grown up. Yeah, yeah. except it's I, a flip. It's the Johnny, the villain, is uh-huh. now the hero. And it's like, oh, you're kidding. It's like from his perspective as this Coors drinking, burnt out, glory days. <laughs> and then you feel for him. And then Daniel is kind of almost like the jerk. And it's so cool. Seeing, would you agree, Chris? Like, it's the flip. Well, I haven't I haven't started it. That's oh, dang, I'm giving like, it away. I need to get into it. <laughs> Cobra Kai. Strike Cobra first, Kai. strike hard, never surrender. No, wait, that's Galaxy Quest. we're all about right now. <laughs> never surrender. <laughs> yes, all about the antiheroes. Yeah. So cute. It makes you root for the bad guy. So please tell me nobody stands on one foot and kicks the other guy in the Yeah, head. they do. Oh, they better. No, that's what are you such talking a cliche about? now. It's very cliche <laughs> and cheesy, but it's still kind of fun. It knows it, though. Yeah. It knows it's making fun of it. Yeah, it acknowledges it. Multiple yeah. fights with that move. <laughs> yeah. Lots of street fighting. Okay, yeah. lots so of street fighting. Answer I love this it. question. They'll probably get cut, or who knows. But Chris, we had a debate with uh, someone at work on that kick. Is he actually kicking with the injured leg or is he standing on the injured leg? Which is it that makes it so special? Isn't that kind of confusing? See? I feel like he's kicking with the injured leg, but I don't know for sure. No, That's a I'm great say question. No. Oh, really? I'm going to say he's not kicking with the injured leg. I think he, he leaps off of the good leg, <laughs> kicks, and then lands back on the good leg. So, oh. so the good like, leg I think is he uses his bad leg as momentum. So you're saying the other leg, all it does is hang around in the air. It doesn't do anything. Correct. I think you're right. I think he jumps up and you and... I mean, because I've done this multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way you do it. So that's, the way, that's the way Chris would do it. Right. This is like yeah. girls with dirty yeah. dancing trying to figure out how to do the lift. Do yeah, the that's move. right. It's mm-hmm. like the, the karate kid kick and the yeah. dirty dancing air lift. All I can think of is that scene in... Um, and uh, in one of the Indiana Jones movies, where there's a big fight in the uh, in the bazaar, and you know Indiana's kind of tired of the whipping and everything, he finally yes. he just pulls out a gun and shoots the guy. Do you know the backstory <laughs> on that? Yeah, there was like, it was like ad lib, wasn't it? He Harrison he Ford had the flu or something that day, and was was filming a bunch and was just tired of it, and it just kind of came to him. He's like, I'm done doing this fight. I don't want to do it. I'm pulling out my gun, shoot you, boom, and they left it in. I was like, that's genius. That is. Genius. And it was that was you know, that's just you know so you but I realized that probably Danny could couldn't use a gun and that that would have been like right. breaking the rules. That's it? right. Yeah. yeah, maybe just one but of the you, rules. Yeah, you, know, you can <laughs> kick a guy in the nose, but you. <laughs> okay, we're happy now. Right. We gotta talk about movies and shows. Got, That's really hard. Right. That was it. Right. And we gotta talk motive. about underwater stuff. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being here, Matt. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having, us. Thank you for having us here. This yeah. has been this has actually been fun. I, I haven't seen Chris in a while. I know it's been I'm good. Glad to see he's doing great. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Now put your beer down. Yeah. <laughs> if only I had yeah, a beer. Is that like-